Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tap to Craft, an informational podcast where we talk about craft beer in terms the average beer drinker can understand. My name is Denny Luce, and joining me tonight is my partner in craft and drinking buddy, John Ream. John, how are you doing tonight? It's hot. So hot. (laughs) We've uh, had a very, very warm Independence Day weekend here. Been trying to escape... uh, AC mm-hmm. whenever we can. So headed down to the in-laws for some some food and family yesterday, and uh, now I'm just trying to stay cool with beer. So okay, we'll see okay. how that goes. That that <laughs> works. That works. I know that uh, here in the Boise area, we have been on a hot streak of over 100, and I don't know. I think it was 11 days. I could be mistaken, but uh, it's been way more than I can handle, even in air conditioning because. I had last week off, and I had all these plans to get all these different projects done, but it was so hot that by the time I got started on on uh, getting things going, it just, uh, you know, it was just too hot. I was too sweaty, and I just wanted to go drink beer. And once I started drinking beer, it's not safe for me to be operating power tools. So, uh, yeah, needless to say, I didn't get any of my projects done, but I did get to uh, drink a lot of beer. Yeah, that's a win. Yeah, that's a win. That's a win. <laughs> and we also had a pretty warm Independence Day, but what was nice is that the cloud cover came in, uh, which is good and bad because for the evening fireworks display, having that clouds in the background can kind of sometimes be a little distracting. If, you know, sometimes a nice clear clear sky is a little bit better for seeing all the fireworks. But uh, it was nice that it cooled off in the evening, so it was not the typical. Uh, 90 degrees or 95 degrees up until like 10:30 at night. It actually cooled off to, I think, a reasonable 80, 80, 80 82 or so while we were watching the fireworks. So that was was very uh, very pleasant, and we had a a great fireworks display here in our neighborhood. Uh, I, I don't have to go anywhere for the last seven or eight years. I can just sit in my across the street at my neighbor's house and look over behind my house, and I've got like a the best city it's not even you know it's, it's been done by individuals people that just buy these fireworks and and do them themselves but these are full blown like you know mortar shell professional fire fireworks that is incredible and it rivals any any uh city uh produced fireworks show in, in my opinion i i just have a great time and uh, we don't have to we can drink and we can enjoy and we don't have to you know we just walk across the street and go to bed uh, you know, at one o'clock in the morning when all the rest of fireworks stop. So, yeah, our neighbors had them going until about midnight. Um, okay, and the boys almost made it all the way through, uh, but the the littlest one woke up with like fifteen minutes to go. Oh no! Um, and and during the last one where they they were shooting off their big uh, mortar ones, um, right outside our house. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> They did. We're doing a bit of a finale at that point. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. The finales were great. Uh, I mean, it just lit the sky up. And I I wanted to get my phone out and take some video, but I was just too damn lazy, so I didn't do it. So I can't I can't <laughs> show it off to anyone to you know to see how great it is. But I do have. If you go find me on YouTube, about three or four years ago, I did post. You know, one of our finale uh, firework displays uh, which is kind of neat but it's gotten way better since then so whatever you see in that video if you do find me on YouTube 
um, just go ahead and increase that at least by five times, and then that's what we have currently going on. So it's it's incredible. But all right, well, hey, I, I just want to wish everyone out there. I know it's a day late, but uh, well, I haven't told you it's a day yeah, late yet. A, yeah, <laughs> almost a week late by the yeah, time you hear. It. Yeah, it'll be a week late by the time you hear this. But I just want to wish everyone a happy Independence Day. Uh, we we all really uh, appreciate our freedoms, and we just you know just glad that we're uh, we're able to to celebrate our our independence from the the tyrancy of of Great Britain at the time. Or England, I guess, at that time. All right. Well, hey, before we get too far into just rambling on, let's tell everyone about the show. And, uh, the, of course, you're listening to Tap the Craft. And we focus on bringing more people into the craft beer hobby. John and I, we are craft beer enthusiasts. And what does that mean? It means we love to drink, of course. We love to learn about it, And we love to talk about craft beer. And, uh, again, we're enthusiasts. We're not experts. So, we will tell you most of the stuff we're going to tell you is going to be factual. It's going to be true. But there might be some opinion in there, too, because, again, we're enthusiasts. We're not here coming to you as uh, full-blown experts. And we are here to help you learn about the craft beer hobby in easy-to-understand terms. We want to make sure that you don't get – we don't want to talk above you. We want to talk at your level. We want you to, we want to, we, we want you to understand what we're talking about and not just assume – and make you think that we're smart by sh- telling you all these fancy terms and trying to, to talk like we're way above the average person. We're just average Joe Blows out here just enjoying good craft beer, and we hope that everyone else can, can learn too. Uh, we encourage our listeners to write into this show and provide your experiences and knowledge. We want you to ask questions that you have about craft beer. We love to answer questions and we want to hear about your experiences because you know what, we're, John and I, we have our experiences, but doesn't mean we've experienced everything. You guys can provide a quite a bit of uh, in, insight into craft beer, the craft beer hobby, just by your experiences. So go ahead and, and write into the show or, or, or write into us on Twitter or whatever. Just let us know and we can talk about your experiences on the show too, because you know, everyone enjoys hearing, you know, good craft beer stories, too. And a part of that participation is we, John and I like to do uh, tasting notes on beers, and we like to involve our listeners. So once, every every two episodes, once a month, we have a listener participation tasting notes segment where John and I talk about a beer and what's nice is that we actually tell our listeners about the beer we're going to be talking about in the previous episode. So you have two weeks to go and find the beer we're going to be drinking, grab a one or a six-pack of it, and you can drink along with us as you uh, are listening to the show. And as John and I are explaining what we're tasting in a beer, you can also uh, you know, kind of hear what we're saying, taste it for yourself, and now maybe you might be able to pick up some of those flavors, some of those aromas, and some of those characteristics that the beer has by uh, following along with us. So we encourage all of our listeners to go and, uh, and, and participate in our Tasting Notes segment. And this episode just happens to be one of those episodes, and we will be drinking the Anchor Brewing Anchor Steam beer uh, this episode. So stay tuned later in the episode while when we go ahead and do that. We'll let you know. So again, if you haven't done your homework and grabbed the beer before the, you're listening, you still have time. We'll be talking at least for, I'm going to guess, an hour before we do our tasting notes segment. Uh, so you have an hour to go put 
put your headphones in, take the, take us with you, go to the store, and pick up a six-pack of Anchor Steam Brewing. I don't want to push this too hard, but, uh, but we do encourage our listeners, if you like what we do and you want uh, to help us out, we don't ask for money, we don't ask for donations or anything, we just would really appreciate if you guys could just leave an iTunes review, and that just helps promote the show. And to help encourage our listeners to do that, we have a contest going on where if you leave a review on iTunes... Uh, you will be entered into a contest to win one of two gift packs, little uh, Deschutes Brewing uh, gift packs that have a tasting glass, some coasters, some stickers, and uh, a bottle opener, uh, which is great, a little uh, uh, custom bottle opener from Deschutes. It's a great little pack. We have two of them to give away. So for the first 20 listeners, we'll be entered into the contest to win one of two of those packs. So that's you have a, a 1 in 10 chance to win. So please take just a few minutes to leave us an iTunes review. And I know that so many people hate iTunes. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of it myself, but uh, if, if, you could f- if you could find your way to, to go find somebody who has iTunes just to jump in for a few minutes and, and leave us a review, that'd be great. I just want to thank a couple of our listeners who have left iTunes review since the last show. We have Connor666, who left a great review for us. I really appreciate that, Connor. Um, Go ahead and write write into us. You can write us our email or Twitter if you follow us on Twitter. Let us know, uh, you know, what's your name. You know, I'm assuming your name is Connor, but uh, just you know, go ahead and and let us know. Uh, you know, get get to know us a little bit better. We can communicate through email and and Twitter too if you want. I just want to show my appreciation and and offer that to to you. And of course, Vic Joe USMC86 from our last episode, he went ahead and left a review for us. I really appreciate that, Vic. Thank you. And you are listening to episode 25, and we're recording this on Sunday, July 5th, 2015, the day after Independence Day. So hopefully everyone's not, you know, too hungover. Uh, and, but, and luckily it's a Sunday, so you still have one day to recover before going back to work, which is nice because I hate, I hate it when holidays, you know, like, like 4th of July is on a day we have to go to work the next day because that's no fun. And uh, in this episode, we're going to discuss a few things. We do have the part two of our Belgian beer style topic. We started that one about, I don't know what, John, two months ago now we did the first part? <laughs> only two episodes. Oh, is it only two episodes? Okay, so only a month ago we started it, part one. Uh, we're going to finish that segment. We're going to talk about some of the sour uh, ales and also the uh, the Abbey and Trappist style ales. So you're going to have a little bit of a, of a different you know, topic uh, on Belgian ales on this episode. And we also, like I said, we're going to do our Anchor Steam beer uh, uh, tasting. And we're we're hopefully going to talk about the Beer Fantasy League in the uh, Check It Out segment that we have been hinting about for a couple episodes. And we have a few news articles. Uh, Depending on how many we get to will depend on how long the show goes. So hopefully we'll at least get one news article going. Uh, But if the show starts to get too long, I might... Go ahead and cut those off. And and these articles are mostly brought to you by our listeners who love to give us news articles. I, I love getting news articles from, from all of our listeners, and, and we like to talk about them on the show. So I just wanted to do another thank you there. But uh, you know what? If you can't tell, my mouth is getting a little dry, and I need to take a sip of some craft beer. So, John, while I do that, you want to explain if you're drinking anything tonight? 
So I am drinking something tonight, and it's a little something I'm not even sure you're aware of, Denny. Uh-oh. Uh, it's a little beer called uh, Bitch Creek Extra Special Brown. Mm, mm. So, um, which I know is one of your favorites, if not your favorite yeah. Uh, yeah, beer. Yeah, I love, love that beer. <clears throat> I just, just saw this at the uh, bottle shop when I was there this weekend, and I had to pick it up. Uh, so you, you had shared this with me before. I knew how good it was, <laughs> and I, I needed to experience it on the show to let let people know all right all right we well, you know what that uh, warms my heart john um you know it, it's a little story that my daughter came this week the reason i had this last week off is because for one thing i needed some time off before the rest of the summer i'm gonna be pretty busy at work and there's not gonna be much time off until i basically until i come visit john at the end of september so i'm gonna be working pretty hard so i took one week off to just kind of recoup and during that time, my daughter came from college, so she was here last week, and she brought me my Father's Day and birthday gifts, and uh, and it just happens that she, you know, she bought me some beers. Of course, she didn't buy them yet; she's not twenty-one, but her boyfriend bought them for, bought her for for me for her from her, uh, and of course. She knew when she saw Bitch Creek, she had to pick up a bottle of Bitch Creek. So I also got to enjoy some Bitch Creek this last week. And uh, I just love I love that beer. It's just, uh, it's just one of my favorite brown ales. It just warms, warms my heart that my daughter knows my taste so much. Yeah, nice nice brown with, with some hops to it. So oh, it yeah. hits, hits on both, both sides. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, um, I am drinking... I'm going lazy today. Um, I have been uh, trying to finish off this six-pack of the Anchor Steam Brewing beer. Anchor, Anchor Brewing Steam, Anchor Steam beer, whatever it is. So uh, <laughs> We'll get it by the end of the show, yeah, maybe. Yeah, so uh, I'm not going to talk about it yet because we're going to talk about it later in the show. But I am. I, I've been drinking this the, you know, this afternoon, and my goal is the last beer that I drink of this six-pack today will be um, the one we do the tasting on. So I should have plenty of uh, experience with it to talk about it. So, all right. Well, John, um, you did really good last week with talking about some noteworthy beers. Uh, how about? Well, I guess I guess it was the week before you did noteworthy. You talked a lot of beers when you did your talked about your your trip down to San Diego. So I, I'll count that as noteworthy beers. But how about this last couple of weeks? Have you had any any noteworthy beers that you want to talk about? I figured I could take this one off since I did so much last time. Um, no, okay. I, I've got quite a few. <laughs> uh, so, you know, in addition to finding the the Bitch Creek here, mm-hmm. when I was at the bottle shop, I also came across the Session Cream Ale. <laughs> which anybody who's listening has known. I've been looking for this ever yeah. since you brought it up on the show. Yeah. Um, so I I found this. I cracked them open uh, yesterday uh, out in the heat, uh, which is a good time for it. Nice and light. Um I did enjoy this one. Uh, I think I still their their session premium lager is my my favorite of theirs. Okay, um, but uh, th- this one was was good, and especially on the hot day, it definitely hit the spot. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really refreshing. Is what I like. It just it goes down easy. It's not heavy. It's got that creamy, f- you know, flavor. Um, but but you haven't had the export uh, lager one yet, have you? I don't think so. Okay, no, I so the, seen that, one. that one is probably my favorite. Um, so wait, I can't wait for that for you, for that one to hit your area. And it, of course, I don't know when it will be there because they they kind of been. I don't know. It's kind of a seasonal thing, but I think the season's over 
Hopefully it'll come in the season again. But uh, get that one and let me know if that one overtakes the premium lager. <laughs> Just because right. I, I like the export. It's really good. And I also like the, the Session Fest one that comes out at the end of the year. The, the yeah. red ale, the red one. That one's pretty good, too. Yeah. Okay. All right. What else you got? All right. So I'm going to attack some IPAs. Um, so I revisited an old friend of mine, uh, here for a beer here in the Seattle area, uh, the Georgetown, uh, Lucille mm-hmm. IPA, yeah. uh, which is one of the first I had when I moved out here. It's tremendous beer. And, uh, I was happy to see it on tap and, and grabbed it, uh, before heading to a soccer game, uh, this week. Um, so it, it, I don't think this one is distributed, but if you're in the area and you see Lucille on tap, definitely grab one. Yeah, yeah, George, to Seattle. Yeah, Georgetown is only distributed in, in kegs, so you have to have a someone that will distribute the kegs, which we do get here in Boise. So I have had Lucille, and I do enjoy it. Oh, awesome. I didn't know they made it that far. Yeah. Sweet. So uh, next one is the Stone Ruination 2.0. I finally got my uh-huh. hands on a bottle of the uh, the reimagined version of, okay. uh, of Ruination uh, Double IPA, and it, it was really solid. I mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. Um, I'll probably pick up a few of these. And the nice thing is, it for uh, as quality Double IPA as it is, it's it's uh, got a price tag that's easy to swallow. Yeah, especially since a lot of breweries, um, you know, it's kind of a specialty to do their double or something, and so you'll pay a bit of a premium on it, but. Not not as much for for the stone offering. So. Yeah, yeah. Did you get the 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 twelve ounce or the twenty two? The twenty two. Okay. On. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, they sell it in six packs, so you could have got the six pack. Uh, no, I've only seen it in bombers here, actually. Okay. So. Yeah, they have. Yeah, it. I haven't seen the six packs yet. Yeah, they have it both in six packs and in the bombers, and uh, you're right; it's reasonably priced now. Can you remember back to when you had the original Runation and? Do you, can you give an opinion on which you think is better? I mean, they're both good beers, but I I have an opinion. I, I've already told my opinion. I don't know if you remember, but I'm just curious about your opinion, if you remember um, which one you like better. I think I like the new one better. Really? Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, now, the saying that, you know, the old one wasn't a staple that mm. I would go to or anything. It was, you know, more, uh, you know, they don't have anything else that I wanted on, so I'll, I'll grab that one. Um, <laughs> but I am, uh, I, I really like the the two point Okay, so. okay. So my opinion is, I like the two point but I loved the the original. So the original has has my, although we'll never see it again, it's gone. Um, it it has my heart a little bit more than the two point But the two point will win my heart over because I have no choice. But to enjoy the 2.0 because that's all that's all I've got now. They've taken away the the original. So, okay, yeah. So I got two more that I'll mention. And the show last week mentioned that I was going to the Washington Brewers Festival uh, for Father's Day, mm-hmm. and uh, festival featuring all Washington brewers. Um, no no beer from outside the state is is offered there. Um, and uh, so my uh, first beer of the day. Um, which I I asked for, and then after I ordered it, they're like, "And we just won gold medal with this at the oh. competition." I was like, <laughs> "Awesome!" Um, and that's the Colshan Brewing uh, Bastard Cat IPA. Hmm. Uh, it was really solid, and it's just reinforcing the need for me to take a day trip up to Bellingham, Washington, which is kind of having a little 
uh, brewer explosion up there. Oh, wow. Um, they've got five or six breweries. Um, and I think I need to head up there because also my um, my favorite lager brewery, Chuckanut, is up there. So what, I definitely yeah. need to make a trip. Okay, maybe maybe if you don't make it during the summer, maybe we can – I don't know if we have time, but maybe we can jet, jet up there when I'm there. Yeah, well, we'll just see if we can if we can sort that out. But uh, yeah, I think it's becoming a go-to for for a little beercation. Okay. Um, okay. And the last one I'll mention is that at the request of one uh, Denny Luce, uh, fan of the show, <laughs> and <laughs> it's the uh, Lazy Boy Brewing Cinnamon Chili Stout. Yeah. Um, what is up with that? So this beer uh, was brought to me by a friend that at the festival and they handed it to me and said, guess what's in this? <laughs> and so, uh, that's always fun. And, uh, like knowing that I judge beers, people, my friends like to give me a hard time and give me tough things. <laughs> it's like, I want you to name the ingredients in this. I'm like, Oh, come on. Uh, so I got the chili right away. That, uh, the, the peppers in it were, it was very pronounced. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there was a sweetness in the background. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And then they said it was cinnamon. Uh, and it actually kind of balanced out the, the chilies kind of nicely. Um, and uh, it was it was a pretty solid beer. Um, not something I, I – I'm not sure that I would, could get through a whole pint. Definitely not order a second one. I think it would just be too much. Um, but, you know, as something in, in a flight or, in, you know, a little taster, it's kind of, yeah. kind of fun, yeah. uh, fun thing to try out. Okay. So wow, that that is a crazy beer. Um, I, I think you're right. I think for me, it'd have to be a taster because I, I mean, I, I I have really gone out of my way to try to to really embrace the pepper and chili beer thing, and I found that I end up just regretting it after I do it because I usually end up belching up peppers and chilies the rest of the night, or, you know, <laughs> something that just doesn't agree with me. So. I think a, a taster of that is what I'm sticking with for now. I'm, I'm no longer buying uh, chili and pepper beers uh, in 22 ounce bombers because I it's I have to literally choke them down and get them down. It's just, oh my gosh, that's a lot of uh, yeah. pepper beer. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, I, I agree, but I think the pepper is kind of hard to pull off well. Um, my my favorite is actually still a homebrew that I had at um, homebrewers conference a couple years ago, and it was a. Uh, jalapeno or no habanero uh, oh raspberry my. raspberry oh. beer <laughs> uh, which was really good and I, I think the pairing it with a with a nice fruit uh like nice fresh fruit yeah. kind of character really helps kind of balance it all out yeah and make it a little more palatable so so with that one though you got the raspberry up front but the the habanero doesn't have a flavor it gives you the heat in the back right is that what you end up getting is like a like a fruity heat yeah you get yeah it gets some of that heat in it yeah. so and you know, I think that's a little bit of what you want because um, not all the peppers really have the you know great flavor. You, yeah, you're more looking for a little bit of that that heat to play with your food or whatever. Okay. So okay. Yeah. So how about you? What have you uh, had over the last couple weeks? Wow, I've had quite a few. I had to ring it into like I don't know what do I have here like eight. <laughs> I had to ring it into. <laughs> Um, I, I'm going to talk quickly on these. Uh, the first one I'm going to mention is Victory Brewing. Uh, it's called the Wild Devil, and this beer is. Have you heard of the Wild Devil, John? Uh, is this a bigger version of the Hop Devil? Or, so it's or the Hop Devil different? with Brett. Oh, 
No, I've not had that one. Yeah, heard of it. and it's <laughs> and it's aged. Uh, it, I think this bottle was aged. Hold on, let me see. If, oh, it's right here. It was uh, bottled on January of 2014, and I drank it uh, just a couple days ago. Maybe maybe two days ago, and it was incredible. So it this is this is the power of using a wild or Brett you know Brett wheat uh, yeast that John and I have talked about is it can take a IPA the Hop Devils an IPA a very good IPA and it can completely change the flavor and and make the beer into something very special and bring out flavors in it that you never would have got without this yeast in there and uh, I. I was very impressed, um, and I really enjoyed it. I love the Hop Devil, and I really enjoyed the the funkiness that this uh, that Brett added to this beer. To and you know, it brought out these. I can't even explain the flavors because it's just kind of unique uh, flavor profiles that came out in the beer. But it was it was very enjoyable, and and I very very much enjoyed it, and well worth the. Whatever I paid for it, the thirteen bucks or fifteen bucks. Uh, oh wow! It wasn't cheap, uh, but it was worth it. I I don't feel I wasted my money. I really got a lot of enjoyment. So I wanted to mention that to you guys. If you guys want to, if you guys are familiar with Victory Brewing, familiar with Hop Devil IPA, and you want to try something that has Brett yeast added, kind of like the Stone Enjoy After. It's an IPA that also has Brett uh, yeast put into. Which, by the way. Uh, right now is uh, Stone released a, a video uh, saying that if you open it right now, it's at, it, they think it might be at its peak, uh, the peak of the the flavor. But they want they're, they're looking for. So I have mine uh, chilling right now. This week I will open my enjoy after my first bottle. I have two bottles. I'll enjoy the first one. I'll open next week and try it, and I'm saving the other bottle for the actual after date. So after October 31st, I will drink it. Maybe even on my wife's birthday on November 3rd. Maybe I'll do a, a birthday beer with, for, for her. But, uh, but yeah, so if you want to be able to see the, the difference that Brett can make in a beer, I think the Wild Devil is a good one. Go ahead and get a Hop Devil and get, a, get the Wild Devil and kind of do a taste side-by-side side with them. I think you'll be amazed at how different the beers taste. That's the first one. The second one is an Odell Brewing, which Odell is out of Colorado. And um, honestly, I'll be honest with you guys, Odell is is a good brewery, but for me, their styles are hit or miss. I either love the style that they're trying to do or I hate it. Um, They do IPAs pretty good. They have a good IPA. They have a good double IPA. That Mercenary IPA is fantastic. They do a good porter, um, but you know some of the the lighter stuff I just don't agree with. I just don't like them very much. So it's like a hit or miss. But I did try this um, Blackberry Goes, and uh, we talked about Goes. I think during our Belgian session, right? The first part. We did we talk about Goes, uh, or did we talk about it uh, another I, time? I don't think we talked about it last. Okay. Last time, okay. So. so basically, it's it's kind of a a. a a beer that is uh, uh, tart and salty, kind of. It gives a little salty. In, in my opinion, the, the best goes are the ones that have a little bit of a salty finish because it takes that tartness and the salt finish kind of cuts that tartness off, so it doesn't like get over overwhelming in your in your palate. 
Uh, and this one's very good. This is a blackberry, so it has a little bit of a, a, a nice, subtle blackberry flavor uh, up front uh, with a tartness. And then it, it ends with a little bit of a salty finish. Not overly salty, but just a little bit just to cut it off. Uh, really good. Top, top notch uh, goes, in my opinion. It's right up there with the Anderson Valley uh, Blood Orange goes and their, what's the other one they have? Like the Trinity Pines goes. They have that. The Anderson Valley does good goes too. Uh, so that one I recommend. If you can find that and you want to try that style, I think that that's one that uh, is enjoyable. Have you tried that one, John? Uh, no, I haven't. But I, yeah, I was surprised to see an Odell beer on, on your list. I'm glad you hit, had another hit. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And it, it actually has a, a real name. Um, I don't see the bottle here. Oh, you know what? I threw it away. I think it's called Brombery. Brom, Brombery, I think is what the real name of it. But it's a Blackberry Goes. I I couldn't remember the actual... I guess I could have just got on my untapped and wrote it down, but I guess I'm too lazy. But Yeah, Brombeer. Yeah, Brombeer. Yeah, Brombeer. So that, that's what it is. All right. Moving on, because I don't want to take forever here. Um, a local brewery in my area, which I, I enjoy a lot... Uh, is Edge Brewing, and one of the days last week, I went and took my daughter's boyfriend out to run some errands. We had to go get some stuff, and I said, hey, let's go hit the Edge Brewing. I want you to try some of their beers. They make some great beers, and I, you know, we just go to the, let's go to the brewery, have some lunch, and uh, drink some beers, and one of the beers that he really enjoyed, and again, he is new to craft beer. He's only 23 years old. He doesn't uh, drink beer at all unless he's with me, but he's acquired the taste for craft beer. And um, I was amazed that he actually likes IPAs and he likes uh, hoppy things. Um, most new craft beer drinkers that first have taste, they don't like things that are bitter and, and hoppy. And he actually likes the, uh, the, some of the citrus hops that are in some of the IPAs. Uh, and he really liked this one I'm going to tell you right now. It's the Edge, Edge Brewing Imperial Red Ale. And this is like a big, like a 9.4% uh, Imperial Red. Uh, fantastic flavors, a nice bitter finish to it. Uh, just top of the line, fantastic job, really well done. Um, I was shocked that he uh, liked that beer because it, it was a big beer and it did have a lot of a lot of flavor and a, and a pretty steep uh, bitter finish too. But it was still, you couldn't tell that it was like a 9.4% beard. You know, it, was, it wasn't boozy at all. It was just, it was really flavorful and, and really good. Uh, a great beer. And John, I hope that when you're able to come to Boise again, they'll have that one on tap because I think you'll enjoy that one uh, too. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, I definitely to make sure we get out there at this time and I don't, you know, get sick and mess yeah, up. Yeah, no, no. Like the, last time. The first, the first <laughs> stop will be Edge because that was where we're going. We were going to go there on Saturday before you got sick. Um, but now nah, the first stop will be Edge because I think you you really appreciate what they have to offer. Um, the next the next beer we did visit Ten Barrel Brewing the a week after my birthday um, when my daughter was here we went ahead and, and had a, a like a birthday bash we had about twenty people over at Ten Barrel uh, had some dinner and ha- you know visited with friends and and family and uh, drank some beers and one of the beers that I really enjoyed I had actually two pints of this beer because it was so good was just happens to be another California common which is what we'll be drinking uh, tonight on the show for our tasting notes but this one's 10 barrels version is called Californication and 
in Untapped, they called it a session pale log or ale, but it wasn't. It's really a California comma. I don't know why Untapped called you know whoever logged it in there called it the wrong thing. But uh, wow, um, very 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 good uh, lager, Calif- you know com- California common lager. Uh, I really like the flavor. Uh, I liked it so much. I had two pints along with a cherry tart and. Uh, what else did I have? Like a stout or something. I had I had, had a few beers that night, but the California Common was really good. Uh, so hey, if you can find that in in your area, it's on only on tap. So you have to be in a place that Tim Barrel has a, a brewery, which is Portland, Boise, and Bend. So uh, go visit and see if you can get some of that. Uh, and then the last one I'm going to talk about I had on Father's Day, the day after we recorded last episode, and this is from a Montana brewing called Big Sky Brewing, and this is the Bucking Monk Triple L, uh, a nice big giant 25 ounce bottle of a triple, um, and it was very tasty, very well done. Uh, something I wouldn't have expected to come out of Big Sky. Uh, they don't do a lot of Belgian style L's, and uh, it was well done. Uh, it was a triple that had a lot of those subtle flavors that you can be, really appreciate. Um, maybe, and I was thinking as I was drinking this this beer, I was thinking that John, uh, due to your comments on uh, Carmelite that we had, and you said it was kind of a maybe a mild version of a. Uh, oh, that was a saison. That wasn't. Even, no, that was a triple. Yeah, a triple. Uh, yeah, yeah. That this one is very close to the the Carmelite, but I think it had a little bit more flavor. So maybe yeah. this one might have stepped it up in your in your game book. But it's a a very limited release. I think it was two thousand bottles. Up, oh, I got it right here. Look at that. Um, actually, it was three two hundred and forty bottles. Uh, and I had bottled 2350. Uh, it was bottled in uh, 2012. So basically, it's it's you know almost you know three years old, and it's 10.1 percent alcohol. And t- I'll tell you what, you cannot taste the alcohol at all in this beer. It's so well balanced uh, and very drinkable. And I really uh, enjoyed it. So um, if you do find that one, give it a shot. Again, a little bit higher on the price range. So if you got a weak wallet. You may want to skip it, but uh, if you if you have money to burn, go ahead and get it. It's, it's pretty good. So is that one that you aged, or did they age it before they sent it out to market? So they aged it, and they released it when it was ready. So it's bottled. Okay, so it's that's bottled. A, that was a recent purchase. For yeah, you then. yeah. I just bought it uh, three weeks ago, I think. Yeah. So I this is one that's not in my cellar. My cellar is so freaking big, I can't put another bottle in there. Although I have like I have I, I've got about right now. In, unintentionally in my cellar I'm aging about 10 Imperial Stouts because it's been so hot I haven't really felt like drinking a Russian Imperial <laughs> Stout or a, a big stout so inadvertently I'm sort of cellaring more than I was really planning on cellaring because I just don't want to drink them right now but if it cools, it's supposed to cool off this week and you might see me drink a few more uh, big stouts when I'm when it's not so hot out uh, but yeah my cellar is, I, I was starting, I told I had uh, started keeping track of what I had in there, and at one point I had 20 beers that I've been, you know, saving for three. Like some of them are as old as three years, and I've started drinking them. And now I, I think I got it down to about 10 beers. I drink, I think I drank half of my collection, and now it's back up to about 20 or more that, you know, inadvertently are in my cellar because I just don't want to drink them yet. But uh, yeah. 
All right. Well, if you ever feel overwhelmed, just give me a call. I'll yeah. head over and take care of your problem for okay, you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm thinking I might be bringing some of these with me when I come visit you. So, in fact, um, after our last talk, when you said uh, to go ahead and pick up one of the heretic. Um, Torment is that what it is? You yeah, said the, yeah, the Belgian. Yeah, so I I I picked that up. So I have a bottle, but you know what I'm going to do, John? Is I'm going to save that bottle, and I'm going to bring it with me when we when we come uh, in September, and we're going to do that side by side tasting together. Is that sound like a plan? That sounds like a great plan. Okay, but I, so I already have the bottle, so there's no reason for you know there's no there's no reason why we can't have it happen as long as we ha- as long as you still have some loose cannon uh, left over. I can make that happen. Okay. All right. All right. Well, hey, we've been chatting a lot about beer, but that's what this show is all about is, is good quality craft beer. But we do have a listener question, and it's brought to us by Robert, our buddy Robert at TPS Sponge on Twitter. And he asked this question, why is it that I can find craft beers aged in bourbon barrels but not in whiskey barrels? And I, I, I saw that question, and I started thinking to myself, uh, you know, is that true? And, and I, I honestly, I couldn't think of a single beer that I've had that was in a whiskey barrel. Although, I mean, I, I don't know what differentiate between bourbon and whiskey is anyway. I mean, so, but John, do you have any answer for, for Robert on why he, he only sees bourbon barrels? I do, and I actually have had a couple beers Asian whiskey barrels. They okay. are few and far between. Okay, and the reason for that is uh, in making bourbon. Uh, part of what makes it a bourbon is that it has to be aged in fresh oak, so there mm. can't have been anything in the barrel before uh, the bourbon goes in. Okay, um, so once they're done with those, they can't reuse them for another batch of bourbon, so they get rid of them. Um, now whiskey uh, is is more lax. You can reuse barrels. You can get barrels from somewhere else and use them. So uh, there's not as big of a turnaround from a someplace that just does whiskey um, to get rid of those barrels. So they can use them and use them until they're not getting any more okay. oak character out of them. Okay. Um, so that's why you see more bourbon barrels, uh, bourbon barrel beers than than whiskey beers. Okay. Uh, because they need to get rid of those barrels, and so they'll sell them off to the secondary market. Well, so. that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. I, I will tell you though, I have. Um, we've already mentioned. We've already talked about our our issues some with some of the bourbon barrel aging stuff. Uh, you know, it's just you know it's a little bit. Sometimes it can be a little bit too boozy. Sometimes it's just kind of you know it, it takes away from the actual beer flavor. Um, I'll tell you what I have have really started to appreciate in barrel aged beers is the ones that are doing barrel aging in, in wine barrels. Um, I really find that, that the wine barrels give a very unique flavor to the beer that is, it can be very pleasant, especially in a brown ale or, you know, in, in something that, that kind of complements the, the wine. What do you think, John? Are you, do you appreciate some uh, wine barrel aged beers? Yeah, I, I think it's something that the industry as a whole is still kind of learning uh, mm-hmm. what works and what doesn't in a wine barrel. I've had some that it just didn't really come together. Yeah. Um, but when it does, it's it's really nice. And I've seen a lot of uh, like sour beers and that yeah. kind of Asian wine barrels, um, yeah. uh, which is really pleasant as well. So. Yeah, yeah I just I just had a uh, I had the 
Oh, no, not this one. I'm looking at my bottles sitting here that I haven't put away yet that I've drank. I, I just had uh, some beers that were aged in wine barrels that were really good. But I know uh, Russian River does uh, some of their beers in, in wine barrels. Some of their Belgians are aged in, like, Pinot barrels and yeah. such. So. Yeah, yeah, those are those are good for sure. Okay, well, hey, that hopefully that answers your question, Robert. That was a great question because I didn't I didn't know the answer, but hey, it doesn't matter because John he knew the answer. So uh, hey, we're uh, hooking all of our listeners up to to why you see more bourbon barrel aged stuff than whiskey barrel aged. So if you do find a whiskey aged one, then that's a special beer. Hopefully. <laughs> All right, now it's time for the Brew Buzz segment. And the Brew Buzz is about to, is devoted to discussing various beer-related topics. And this week, we're going to go ahead and finish up our Belgian beer topic, part two. And we're going to talk about uh, two other uh, series of, of Belgian ales. And we have uh, the Holy Ales and the Sour Ales. And the Holy Ales are mostly the ales that are, are focused around beers that are made uh, you know, by the, the Belgian monks uh, and then the sour ales, of course, are, are some of the more sour offerings that you can get from the, the Belgian-style ales. And I'm going to be honest with you, um, in this th- this part two, is, is, is I have probably not as much experience with these as maybe John does. So I'm, I don't really have a, a, a lot of uh, input as far as the, of the style. I need to, if I, if I really needed to, to work on developing um, more experience with these is definitely in the Trappist and the Abbey style ales. I mean, I've had Abbey style ales, but um, I'm definitely not an expert on, on those for sure. But I do enjoy the, the sours, so I, I can probably talk a little bit about the sours. But, John, uh, being that you've actually been to Belgium, right? Did you, is that one of the places you uh, toured when you did your European tour? Did you go to Belgium? Uh, no. Oh. No, just Germany and Austria. So, oh, okay. Well, never mind. Since you're not it's an on expert, the list of a okay. place to go. Yeah. Okay. Now, now that everybody knows I'm a phony, thanks to you. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I just assume that with all your expertise and your worldwide, world, worldwide European travels, I just assumed Belgium was definitely a place that you would have you would have visited. So. Now there was just so much to drink in Munich. So. That's true. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you might as well soak it up while you're there. Don't want to shortchange yourself. Yeah. All right, so so John, like the first type of holy ale we're going to talk about are Trappist ales, and I guess you know these tra- these Trappist ales are brewed in Trappist monasteries. Is that right? Yeah, and I think uh, it, when people think of like a beer brewed in a monastery, they they're thinking of these Trappist ales, but mm-hmm. there's really not as many of these breweries as people are probably aware. They probably think. Um, the, the more beers are Trappist when they're not, and that's kind of where the the Abbey ales that we'll talk about in a minute okay. uh, come into play. Um, but these Trappist ales, they're brewed at Trappist monasteries, and tra- the Trappist is a really specific order of monasteries that originated uh, just a few years ago in 1664 <laughs> at a uh, um, Cistercian uh, monastery in La Trappe, France. Okay. Um, and one of the tenets uh, that these new rules brought forth was that the, the monastery should be self-supporting. And so uh, breweries were ways that uh, these breweries could – or these monasteries could cover the cost of the monastery and, and support uh, the, the work that they're doing in the community uh, at large. So okay. um, 
uh, all the all these Trappist breweries are are not for profit. The the money goes back into the monastery and the, their charitable work and everything else that they're doing, uh, you know, in, in their uh, you know town or region. Okay. Um, and uh, so in, in 1997, uh, there was a a organization formed, the the International Trappist Association, and uh, this association was formed to to protect the Trappist name and. Uh, this kind of comes back to people thinking something's Trappist when it's not. Okay. And uh, these guidelines are for all kinds of products that that these breweries or that these monasteries make. It's not just beer. Uh, that's just the one we care about. <laughs> uh, and uh, quality is is part of this, and that's that's part of the reason that that they did this is that they, for all their products, they uphold that they need to be of the highest quality. Um, and you can actually lose. Uh, your your Trappist uh, designation, uh, like uh, to be able to label your stuff Trappist, um, if they feel that your quality has slipped. Okay. Um, and and that did that ha- has happened to to a brewery um, in in recent years. So, hmm. um, not not one that's well known in the U.S. though. So I think they kind of missed. But uh, the the big Belgian Trappist breweries are are the ones that people most associate them associate with. Uh, there's there's six Trappist breweries in Belgium, and a lot of them uh, do uh, distribute out here. Probably the most known are Chimay and Orval. Okay. Um, Chimay is the they everyone refer to white, uh, red, and blue. Mm-hmm. Um, is there they're different ones that they generally put out. They will do special versions of those as well, and you you can't really go wrong with a Chimay. They're they're all. Uh, very good, and really any of these beers. I mean, like like we said, they comes back to quality as one of their designations to be able to maintain uh, their their Trappist uh, labels. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the couple other Belgian ones that I'll I'll mention are West Vlaterin and uh, Rochefort. And I know Rochefort yeah. you can find in, in the U.S. Uh, was the eight and the ten. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a six or a five as well um, okay. that you can occasionally find. Um, and then, uh, you know, outside of Belgium, there's a couple of these breweries in the, in the Netherlands. Uh, there's one in Austria, uh, one in Italy, and there's actually a Trappist brewery in the U.S., mm. uh, which just opened up, I think, in 2013. Okay. Uh, it, it's in Spencer, Massachusetts, and it's it's not a new monastery, but they just opened a brewery. Um, and I guess I, I was looking at into it's St. Joseph's Abbey. In Spencer, Massachusetts, and I—I I was looking into this uh, prepping for the show, and it turns out that what they were known for, with their Trappist product, um, was jelly or jam. Oh. And one of which was a a mint uh, jelly that they uh, made from uh, mint that was grown on their grounds, um, and and they do a lot of jam um, or <laughs> jelly. They—they uh, they <laughs> dealt with like. Uh, over a million tons of fruit or something like that, mm. uh, or a million pounds maybe. Um, it, it was a lot. And, you know, they wanted, they were looking at uh, adding a, a brewery to help cover additional costs at that monastery and with their, uh, their work in the community. And they actually uh, did a lot of research and visited with the, the Belgian breweries and took a lot to heart. And I, I think it said they, they took over, over 20 uh, test batches before they finally doubt in a beer of the quality that they wanted to wow. to have out there. Um, and I think the beer that they, they put out is just called Spencer. Okay. Um, I think it's a, a single or, yeah, 
uh, which we talked about that style on the, the last Belgian mm-hmm. uh, episode. And, you know, these uh, Travis breweries, they brew across a lot of those different Belgian styles that we discussed. And the only really uh, thing that distinguishes them is that the fact that they are brewed these monasteries and they, you know, have requirements that uh, dictate uh, what they are, are are doing with the beer and and uh, up, up, uh, holding the quality of the beer. Yeah. So, so John, I don't know if you you know the answer, or if, but I'm sure you do. Um, is there any? I mean, you mentioned that uh, that it's high quality standards. They they really have some high quality standards. Now, those quality standards are they meant to be uh, in in effect for beers that are fresh or? Like when we get these beers from over in Belgium or Netherlands or France or wherever they're coming from into the U.S., it's usually a long boat ride over. It could be, you know, two months before we even get them on a shelf, depending on the distribution or, you know, two or three months. Is there a risk of the consumer here in the States buying one of these fancy Belgian beers that are not cheap, right? Some of these are like five bucks a a 10-ounce bottle right they're pretty expensive um yeah is there a risk that that the beer may not be what they were intended to be by time we get to drink it here in the states uh absolutely and that's the case of any import yeah um you know it's a long way to get to anywhere and especially you consider folks on the west coast you know it's got to do a boat ride and then make it across the entire country yeah before it gets uh over here um and I'm sure I would be willing to bet that the quality standards are based off a fresh sample, yeah, um, from the brewery, uh, not something that's been through the rigors of the travel. Okay, and it, it's not necessarily even the time, but the conditions that the the beer is being. That's true. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's probably being transported hot across the ocean on the on the boat, and you know, in, in a truck somewhere with no um, AC refrigeration. Yeah. And, and a, so, and that that can really take a toll. And you know that's something to keep in mind when you when you are t- trying these imports um, of any of any uh, country or, or or beer style, is that it, it you know these beers could have accelerated aging mm-hmm. just from the conditions of of travel. Okay. Um, so I you know I definitely recommend everybody just go and try some fresh. Okay. Obviously. Yeah. I, I yeah. Next time I go to Israel. I think I'm going. I mean, I have had some of the the Belgian ales. Uh, the last trip, especially, I drank quite a few that were, you know, that were I'm on tap and I'm hoping fresh. I I, I definitely got to experience having some German beer that was, I mean, the the freshest Hefeweizen I'd ever had from from Germany. Uh, it was incredible how different it tasted when when it was a fresh batch. So I'm hoping that I can maybe get a sample of some of these Belgian styles uh, a little bit fresher when I'm over in, in the Europe, European area so I don't have to, you know, I, I get a different perspective. So, Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that, that'll kind of take us into these Abbey Ales, which um, I think Abbey Ale is kind of something that's colloquially taken on just something that represents a trap or resembles a Trappist beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, isn't brewed at a Trappist monastery. And, and this is something that can be breweries that aren't connected to an Abbey in any way whatsoever. Uh, but they, you know, label it or name it in a way that, uh, is meant to create that attachment for the customer. 
Um, and uh, I think because of that, you know, similar to the International Trappist Association, uh, in 1999, the Union of Belgian Brewers created a certified Belgian Abbey beer logo that can be put on beers. Ah. Um, and this is something I had never heard of. I'm not sure I've seen it, um, but I also haven't studied the label of a lot of Belgian beers that come over here. <laughs> um, but this uh, certification is uh, you know, a way to distinguish beers that have an official connection um, to an existing or, or an abandoned Abbey. Um, oh, and okay. I think not all of these are brewed, you know, at an Abbey, it could be a, a brewery that's contracting a beer for an Abbey or something from a small town that had an Abbey that no longer exists, but they are brewing the beer to the style that used to be produced by the Abbey or something like that. Okay. Um, but something to note for this is this, it's something that breweries have to apply for. It's not something that, you know, they're looking to give to breweries. Um, so, you know, just because a brewery doesn't have the, the, the logo doesn't mean that they're not truly, um, an Abbey beer. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, to, to get it, you need it. And I think there's only 18 beers that have been certified. Um, and I did not recognize many of the names, um, <laughs> on the list. And I don't even want to try to pronounce a lot no, of them. No, um, I, yeah, I'm not going to make you. So, um, but uh, I did see that um, some kind of unofficial Abbey Ales um, would be the like the Triple Carmelite that we tried. Okay. Um, I think it's associated with – I think it's one of the ones that's kind of associated with something in, from the town or area um, but not really brewed there. Um, and another was uh, St. Bernardus uh, oh, yeah. and some of their beers. Um, and I guess they've worked with um, a local Abbey – um, but not not all their beers would would apply. But you know it, that's something that, given the name, the consumer would associate and assume that it had something to do with it. Um, but uh, they have really good beers anyway, so you should drink them yeah. regardless yeah. <laughs> what they may or may not be trying to to trick you with the logo or or the name. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, those are the Saint Bernardus is definitely uh, good. Good uh, Belgian beers, even if they don't have the official Abbey logo, uh, I still recommend drinking those. And uh, excellent. So the next the next thing is is the sour side of things. And uh, of course, whenever you think of of a sour beer, I think a lot of uh, people will equate that with the the old lambic beers, the uh, you know the fruit beers that uh, have that wild funkiness with the wild yeast the spontaneous uh fermentation yeast that that will give you some some sour flavors uh i'm i'm not a huge lambic fan i honestly i've had maybe two or three different ones and they just seem to be a little too much for me personally um i i know that women like them a lot not that if you're a man you, you like them that's fine i don't i just know that uh that it seems to be that uh, in my area, it seems like uh, a lot of the women they really kind of like that that lambic, I, and I'm, I'm not sure why. What do you think, John? Is it so? Have you are seen that you too? referring to a lot of the uh, fruit lambics, like yeah. the um, Lindemans, or is that Lind? Yeah, the uh, yeah, but 
so that yeah, those I think are uh, at least the ones that come to the U.S. are um, given a little more fruit. Mm-hmm. And if you look on the bottle, they're only like two point three percent alcohol, uh, which um, considering they are also pricey, um, you know, is kind of a <laughs> uh, paying a lot for not a lot in the, in the yeah. alcohol department. Yeah, because you're paying um, yeah you're paying like thirteen bucks for a. I think those are twenty five ounce bottles or. 22 ounce at least you're paying a yeah. lot of money for those yeah and i, I think a lot of this the fruit lambics that that do make it over here are tend to be a little overly sweet for me um but uh you know i think i i have enjoyed uh some lambics um and i think uh one thing to mention is lambic is actually it's is a term that's meant are supposed to only be used to describe uh, beers from the Brussels area, um, and it's kind of like the champagne versus sparkling wine. You know, champagne can only come from the Champagne region of France. Oh, um, and sparkling wine is supposed to be used for everything else. Okay. Uh, so I, th- I think there are there are a lot of brewers in the U.S. that either aren't aware of that or don't really follow that, and you'll see um, lambic use. Others you'll see lambic style, and that's their kind of their way of trying to describe it. Cause I, I don't think there's really a, a word, um, you know, or a way to do it like sparkling wine. Um, okay. Well, I but, mean, uh, I think that's why they, they would use, that's why so many breweries use like Abbey style and maybe Lambic style that gets away from calling it a Lambic. It's just the style of that. So they can, you know, right. get away with it. Do you, I, I mean, I, I'm not familiar with any American breweries that have lambics that are common do you, do you have you have by any chance have a common brewery that does a, a lambic that uh, in the US? Uh, nah, no not a u.s uh, brewery i think i think we're going to start seeing a few more as a lot of breweries ramp up uh, their barrel programs okay um and they'll, they'll see that as a way to um kind of start producing these because uh, i think uh, a straight lambic is very difficult to do, um, and most are blended. And you know, to blend it, you'll need um, you know one to three years of uh, of different lambics. And so, you know, if you've got an active barrel program, that's something that you can you yeah. can handle. So, um, so, so a straight a straight lambic is one that's going to have a very high. I'm assuming it's going to have a very high. Uh, tartness or sourness to it that's almost maybe undrinkable or is it drinkable but just really high um i think well i think the, well the longer it goes it'll um pick up you know more funkiness or, or more sourness and uh you know with the when we're talking to funkiness we're talking about the Britannomyces, yeah. which can give a, a lot of different character but not actually give it a sour character that's from other uh, bacteria that Okay. That will get into it as well. Okay. Um, and I, I think so. You can kind of create a more complex um, beer with the with the blended, yeah. and maybe a, a little more palatable beer with the blended um, to kind of give, you know, the right amount of funk and the right amount of uh, you know sour and everything yeah. else. Okay. Um, and I, I think that's a, a big part of the art in, in doing an amb- a lambic really well mm-hmm. is being able to brew or to, to blend these different uh, vintages properly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an art. I mean, it really takes a, a person that understands the the characteristics of 
of how the beer is going to change as it ages so that they can gauge when it's going to, you know, when they can blend it, you know, get the right proportions to come up with the, the beer that they, they're looking to, to actually come out with as a final product. Um, I mean, it's an art. I mean, I, I don't think I could do it for sure. I don't have the, the knowledge and, um, and I, and I've had, again, not necessarily lambics, but I've had some, I, I honestly, I think some of the better sour beers that aren't Belgian sours, just regular sour beers, a lot of the better ones are ones that are blended and aren't the straight, you know, sourness. I like the ones that kind of blend the sourness in so that you get, you know, it, it kind of gives you that little sourness, but also gives you other characteristics along with it. Um, you know, I, that's what my preference is. Like all those ones from the, uh, the Jolly Pumpkin, uh, you know, the, those aren't, aren't blended. And so many of them taste identical, even though they're different things. It just tastes like a sour beer. And it just doesn't, you know, some of them are good, but some of them are just, uh, you know, sour. I, I mean, I don't just need to drink a sour glass of fluid, right? I, I want to have some, <laughs> some other characteristics in there. I, you know, mix it with something to give me flavors. And I, I think that's where Jolly Pumpkin can definitely can benefit if they did more of a of a of a aging thing and, and blending some of their their beers. They could probably have of a better uh, overall product from some of these beers. But that's a separate subject. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for lambics, um, I will give my the best I've had, and my recommendation would be to seek out some Cantillon. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. It it is. Uh, they they have been increasing. Uh, I think their their export to U.S. Um, it is hard to find. You will pay a lot for it, but it, it's really good. And they know what they know what they're doing. Um, and uh, if you want to really experience some some good lambic and kind of not screw around with with a maybe, um, definitely check out some Cantillon. Okay. So. All right. All right, John, what about the Flanders red and browns? This is another sour style. Um, yeah, so uh, these beers originated from the Flanders region of Belgium. Uh, go figure. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Flanders red is uh, from West Flanders, and Flanders brown is from East Flanders. And I had to look up, uh, you know, where Flanders was, and it's kind of a northwest uh area of, of belgium and um the west flanders is actually uh on the on the sea so um if you're heading to belgium uh, you can make sure you divert to the northwest of belgium to, <laughs> got these, these beers um but uh, a Fl- flanders red uh it's gonna have a lot of fruit character um, I usually get a lot of cherry. That's my, the biggest thing I get out of it. But you know, you can have plums, currants, uh, even some orange. Um, but the, the thing about it is, it's not made with fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all coming from, uh, you know, the yeast the and yeast, the yeah. that are in it. Um, and Flanders Red is, can be very acidic um, and, and have very high concentrations, at least relative to other beers, uh, of acetic acid, uh, which is the, the the big acid in, in vinegar. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think there are a lot of people that don't like Flanders Red for that reason. That that vinegar, uh, acetic character, um, you know, if, you, if you're not careful, can really dominate uh, the beer mm-hmm. and can, can make it very unpleasant. Because um, not a lot of people like just, uh, you know, 
knocking back a, a slug of vinegar. Um, but uh, you know, when done right, these these beers are, are tremendous, and the the fruit character and everything is, is just really solid in the way it, it kind of plays with the the tartness and, and the, the acidity of the mm-hmm. of the beer. Yeah, can be can be very pleasant. So yeah, a couple notable beers to, to keep an eye out for. I'm not sure how much Rodenbach is uh, exported to the U.S., uh, but the Rodenbach Grand Cru is supposed to be very good. Um, but uh, a U.S. brewery that, and this is something you should be able to find, is the, the New Belgium La Folie, um, which I think they they do mix this beer up uh, from from year to year, and I've seen it. Uh, out there as a Flanders red. And I believe I've seen out there as a Flanders brown as well. Um, but it's, it's definitely something to try out and something I did a, a vertical tasting with of a few vintages of this past year. So, um, something to, <laughs> if you can, if you can do it, uh, grab a couple bottles, drink one fresh and, and age the other one. Yeah. So. Yeah. You, you did, you did that uh, this year and it sounded pretty, pretty cool. But the, again, these are expensive beers too. Um, and, and I'm laughing because I'm laughing because uh, I'm looking at this year's bottle in my hand right here, 2015. Uh, it says this seriously sour, this Flanders style reddish brown ale. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's like a, a combination of the red and the brown. I guess it's a reddish. Uh, uh, well, a, a Flanders red, the the color can be anywhere from red to reddish brown, mm-hmm. and then a Flanders brown can be anywhere from reddish brown to brown. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the color is very uh, can be muddy there in the middle. Yeah. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, they they can flirt the line. They they're not from there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just they just make it how they want to make it. So that's good. Yeah. So uh, then the the Flanders Brown, the, the other half of La Folie. No. <laughs> um, it you it also called a Oud Brune, um, or I think it's just Old Brown uh, ale. Yeah, Old Brown. Um, yeah. It have it can have a very similar uh, dark fruit character to to a Flanders Red, um, but generally it is more malt driven um, with some additional uh, complexity from uh, like a caramel toffee molasses type character. Um, and additionally, the the Flanders Brown won't shouldn't have as much of that acetic acid vinegary mm-hmm. kind of character as the Flanders Red, and I think that makes it a little more uh, palatable yeah. um, to a lot of people. Um, it, it doesn't focus as much on that acidity. Uh, I think it, more of the focus is put on the on the malt uh, kind of uh, additions mm-hmm. um, relative to the to the Flanders red. Um, and I, I had trouble coming up with some commercial um, examples for this. And the uh, thing that kept popping up was you know beers from Leafman's, um, which. I, I'm not familiar with. I, I don't know if it's uh, exported here to the U.S., but if you can find Leafman's, uh, it's supposed to be uh, very uh, characteristic of the, of the Flanders Brown. So check that out. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had you had a uh, one to add, yeah. uh, for for this one, Denny. Yeah, one of my one that I really enjoy, and one that my wife really really enjoys, is called the Monk's Cafe Flemish Sour, and um, this is a beer that is. I believe it's brewed from a it's brewed in Belgium from a Belgian brewery, but it's they don't use the Belgian brewery's name. It's actually brewed for a pub. I think it's in Pennsylvania somewhere. I don't remember. Yeah, it's, in, it's in Philly. 
Oh, is it in Philly? Okay. So they brew yeah. this. They brew this, and I think the pub's called Monk's Cafe, right? Is that why? Is that what it's? Is it called Monk's Cafe? Uh, pub or whatever? Is that what? Yeah, it's, yeah, I called Monk's Cafe, okay. and that's actually where I had my uh, first Cantillon. Oh, so. really? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so if I ever go to Philadelphia, I need to go to this place. But um, that that this this Belgian brewery brews this beer just for for that. Uh, that bar, I guess it's a bar, uh, and it's great. Uh, it is it is really a, a well balanced sour, uh, you know, Flanders Brown L, uh, and it's it's like I said, it's one of my wife's favorite beers. She'll go and she'll pick up this Monk's Cafe, and they have it in ten ounce bottles, and they have it in uh, even some bigger bottles too. I I don't think it's quite as big as twenty two. I think it's like a sixteen point nine ounce bottle. So you can get it in a pretty, you know, two different sizes, and uh, it's it's great. I think if uh, if you can, if you want to experience this style, I think that's a, you know, as far that's the only one I've had. I think as far, I mean, I've had other ones that were listed as the old Bruin, but I I don't remember them off the top of my head as far as what their characteristics were and like. But the one that I drink the most often is this Monk's Cafe Flemish Sour. So give it out a shot and see if you like it. I, I, my wife and I like it. And have you had that one, John? The Flemish sour? Uh, yeah, I have. I didn't realize it was uh, a Flanders Brown, um, but I, I really enjoy it too. It's, uh, it's good. Um, and I, I will add, you know, these sour beers. And I mean, we talked about trying, developing a, a taste for some of the Belgian beers. Uh, don't don't give up if you have a a bad yeah example of some of these there there's some really uh amazing experiences to be had with with some of these beers and um it can be a little rough uh getting in especially when a a lot of people try sour and or to make sour and maybe um aren't aren't there yet i'll say (laughs) um (laughs) but uh there's definitely some good ones out there and, and i don't give up after one uh definitely so yeah Okay, well, John, excellent job on just finishing up part two of our Belgian beer styles brew buzz segments. Um, I hope that that was able to give our listeners a little bit of a insight into a few more Belgian styles that they may or may not have tried and, and give those a shot. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about, we're going to go into a check it out segment. Uh, this is something we've been trying to talk about for a few episodes, but we've been running long. Like we probably will on this show, uh, but I don't want to leave it out. So we're going to talk very quickly on the Fantasy Beer League. And this is basically um, kind of uh, getting your friends together. It's kind of a, it's done in, in a local, with your local friends. So you got to have a bunch of beer drinking friends that are that are local to you. It's not going to work if you have a bunch of people that, that aren't going to be able to get together and, and do this. Cause it's kind of like a beer tasting party, but it's done in a fantasy beer setting. It's like a fantasy football league or a fantasy baseball league. You're going to go ahead and you're going to, you're going to gather up your, your, your top uh, choices in, in beers and bring them to the, to the party and, and try them out. So how this works is each team, you know, you can have uh, what do you think, John? We, I don't have, we don't have the article up right now because there's a bunch of uh, annoying uh, uh, videos that will play in the background. We don't want you guys to get annoyed with, but I, I think you can. You know, I recommend at least you know six teams or what, what's the? Do they have a minimum on how many teams you should have? Yeah, I think or, I said six to eight. Okay, um, 
uh, yeah, I think uh, less than that is going to kind of take away. And if you get too much, it'll be hard to do yeah. some of the tasting uh, that goes along with a league like this. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so the way this works is um, what you're going to do is you're going to have your six to eight coaches, I guess, craft beer coaches, and you're going to go ahead and, and uh, draft breweries that are distributed in your local area. So basically you don't want to get things that, you know, breweries that, that don't distribute in your area, but you want to get some breweries that have a good distribution so you can have a variety of, of beers too that, that you can go ahead and, and, uh, and use. And um, I guess these breweries are ranked by Beer Advocate or Rate Beer scores. So how does that work, John, as far as the, the ranking, as far as, uh, you know, so I think that would be like, uh, you know, uh, your your number one overall like consensus. You know, kind of their um, where they'd be in the pecking order. Like, you know, people have uh, you know some running backs in the top five overall that they'll okay. they'll be looking at in, in a football league or something. Um, and I, I don't know that's necessarily uh, needed. You mm-hmm. know, but it'd be good to have pull the list and kind of throw them together so people are kind of going from the same sheet, I guess, that they're, yeah, yeah. they're drafting so, off of. Okay, so um, I don't remember if they said, is it is it one brewery that you pick, or can you pick a few breweries? Do you remember what it said? No, yeah, you draft a, a, a few breweries um, because then, uh, you know, you'll the season will be uh, each month you'll have a different style. And so mm-hmm. you can pick a beer from one of your breweries. So you can, you know, try to go diverse with a bunch of breweries at all around. You could go with a brewery that you know has a killer oatmeal stout and yeah. you just hold them and keep them on your bench till they, the oatmeal stout month comes up or, okay. or something. So, yeah, you, you'll draft uh, a few breweries and, you know, that can be up to your league and, okay. and probably how many people you have. So okay, yeah. So so basically, let's say you have six coaches. Maybe you'll have uh, eighteen breweries that you may have on a list, and you guys each draft three breweries apiece. And I'm assu- I'm assuming it'll be like you draw numbers on who's going to be the first pick, and and maybe it does a serpentine. You know, you can you can you can you can, <laughs> you can do however you want to to divvy up it. But you end up choosing let's say three breweries, and then each month. There'll be, like John mentioned, there'll be a style that will be the style for that month, and every person will bring one beer to the to the party to uh, to go do a blind head to head against the other breweries that uh, the uh, other coaches. So nobody knows what they, you know, only the person knows what what they brought, but someone outside of the the um, the coaches that are in competition will go ahead and serve up the beers to each person, and then. Um, so basically, the beers are, are put into a, like a blind flight, and everyone will rank their flight from the best to worst. And the beers that are revealed uh, and the scores will be tabulated for each team. And you, and as you gain uh, scores by the end of the year, you end up being the winner of whoever has the highest score at the end of the year for the most uh, positive re- uh, winnings on their you know rankings on their uh, one to six uh, flight each week. So it's kind of an interesting. You know, it's a little. It's kind of. I think it makes it exciting to be able to. Uh, for one thing, uh, maybe you're going to be able to taste some beers that you never had a chance to taste before, and maybe you're going to find that you actually like a beer that you didn't think you liked because it's from a brewery that maybe is not your favorite brewery. I, I think for me, um, 
because I have so many um, pre pre con- what is it pre- uh, preconceived notions preconceived notions on what I li- breweries I like and dislike that this is a good way to totally wipe those clean and I'm you know doing a blind tasting I may find that I actually do enjoy some beers that I didn't enjoy from let's say Odell Brewing. Uh, that now I'm like, wow, I, I need I, I need to revisit that that brewery and that beer from that brewery. It's the same thing like with the the fat fat tire we had on the show. I stopped drinking fat tire years ago because I thought it, it something changed and it didn't taste right. But now that we did that tasting and I started drinking fat tire, now I actually enjoy drinking fat tire. Uh, which is a complete shock. If we wouldn't have done that tasting, I would have probably never drank Fat Tire again. Um, but hey, look, you know, I, I realize that uh, my tastes change over the years, and now I can appreciate wh- what Fat Tire has to offer. So, same thing with this. It might be a, a fun activity for you guys to try. Um, Paste Magazine was the where the article came from, and so if you just do a search for. Uh, fantasy beer league on pacemagazine.com you should be able to find the article and check it out for yourself and go ahead and arrange for a local beer league of your own uh, and if i had more friends that uh that drank craft beer and want to do this i would probably hold one right here john you think that you might uh, try to do one of these beer leagues in your area yeah i think i might be able to get enough people i might, might try it out you know it's great to get together and taste with other people too because you'll be i mean even though it's blind initially you'll be able to talk about it uh-huh. you know afterwards and say why you put things where you did and what you yeah. did didn't like yeah so i think it'd be great you know and another plus is you know, you'll you'll have your team of your breweries and you know you're gonna have to do some research you're gonna need to know your strengths and weaknesses you have to drink <laughs> a lot of beer to really know your team well to know who who to bring out each week yeah so. awesome <laughs> excellent yeah you're right yeah you don't want to you want to make sure you bring the right beer from the from the brewery that's going to have your best uh, offering. Now, that could be tough because, right, you know, d- different people you get to kind of also know the other coaches and how th- how they what what beers they like and style. You know how they judge their beers because I may bring out my favorite brown ale, which we all know is Bitch Creek. But guess what? If someone else's brown ale is more like a nut brown, they're going to hate my beer. Right, so um, yeah, you got to kind of play to the strengths and weaknesses of your your fellow coaches too to make sure you bring the beer that's going to appease uh, the rest of the people out there. So, and and John, you had a, a a great website listed that can help you find breweries that are distributed in your area. It's called what Seekabrew dot com. Yeah, and that's it's actually I found it from the the article. And I actually used it uh, when I was looking at uh, Anchor Steam because I, okay. I thought they should be pretty well distributed. And turns out Anchor distributes to all 50 states. All right. Um, so you can uh, look by brewery to see where they distribute. You can pull up your state, and it'll give you all the breweries that distribute uh, to your state. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a, a fun thing to, to see, um, you know, if you're thinking about uh, picking up a beer for a buddy. Uh, well, maybe you should check to see if that, you know, brewery or distributes to uh their area okay before you go through the trouble that yeah yeah excellent uh little uh tip there for you guys in our check it out segment also all right now it's time for our beer tasting notes segment and of course uh if you haven't already gone out and got your beer out of the fridge go ahead and get a glass 
and get your beer. And let's go ahead and pop it open right now. Well, well there you go. I heard, I heard yours, John. Now I'm going to go ahead and pour it. See if I can get some pouring action here. Oh my gosh, this thing is foaming up like crazy. All right, well, I am going to have to uh, let my bubble settle out here for a second. So, a pro professional pour over here. Did you? Oh yeah, I I went a little crazy. I wasn't paying attention, so my my head got away from me. I've got, oh my gosh, I've got a four finger head right now. That's <laughs> that's crazy. So, um, but while I'm waiting for my uh, head to die down, let's just go ahead and talk about the beer. This is from Anchor. The, the beer is Anchor Steam Beer, and this is from Anchor Brewing out of San Francisco, California. And uh, this is a, a, the style is a steam beer or also known as a California Common. And just a few style notes here uh, on this on this California Common or steam beer style is it's a blend of pale and caramel malts. It's fermented. Uh, with lager yeast at warmer ale temperatures in a shallow, open-air fermenter. Ooh, I just, excuse me, I just burped. Ugh. And uh, gentle, there's gentle carbonation. Uh, it might be a little bit rougher carbonation with my with my burping, but that's not bad. First burp all night. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, um, made it real far. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it has gentle carbonation in cellars through an all-natural process called crossing, cross crossing. Crossening, crossening, crossening. All right, I don't have my German uh, down there. Um, it derives its unusual name from the 19th century when steam, in quotes, was a nickname for beer brewed on the west coast of America under primitive conditions and without ice. And in lieu of ice, the foggy night air naturally cooled the fermenting beer, creating a creating steam off the warm open pans and then uh, once a nickname for this Californian or West Coast beer brewed under these conditions today the name steam is a trademark of anchor brewing and applies only to the singular process and taste of their flagship beer so that's why they uh, steam beer is is trademarked by anchor brewing so the California common name is what you'll see other breweries use for the same type of style so that's a little bit of background um, it's a 4.9 percent abv so it's just above what i would consider the session um you know session beer um style or type uh but uh it's still under five percent is, is still um not too bad it's, it's one you can drink a, a lot of i i will admit that i have not Drank the whole six pack. I have one beer left, um, so this is number five. So this is the fifth one I I've had today, and and uh, you know they go down pretty pretty good. Um, it comes in twelve ounce bottles. I I'm pretty sure that's the only thing they you know untap untap in in twelve ounce bottles. About all I've ever seen it. Have you ever seen it anything bigger than twelve ounce bottles, John? I believe I have. What? Um, and uh, I, they have a bigger. They they have a very iconic uh, bottle style as well. Um, you know, it's not your standard long neck. Um, uh, it's, it's got a very gentle slope up into the neck, uh, mm -hmm. up to the, to the cap. And, um, they, they have a bigger version of that ball as well. And I, I'm not sure if it was steam or something else of theirs that I had in it. Okay. Um, 
I'm pretty sure it was them. Uh, but I, I just learned on my latest trip uh, to the bottle shop that they're actually starting to can beer as well. They had the Liberty Ale and uh, another beer that I'm blanking on right now. Oh, wow. Um, in, in cans. So uh, you may look out for Anchor Cans to your area soon. Okay. So Excellent. I can't wait for that. I, I'm I'm really enjoying canned beers myself. I mean, I know a lot of people have, uh, and I was one of them. I, it was hard for me to switch over to cans, but um, yeah, I, I kind of like the cans now. All right, so John, um, you got your beer poured, right? Yes. And uh, what do you think about coloring? Uh, very amber, maybe a light gold mm-hmm. um, color to it. I've got some some bubbles coming up from the bottom of my glass, and yeah. Kind of an off-white head, mm-hmm. uh, very uh, fine bubbles, compact head. It's yeah, sticking around. So yeah, I I agree. I uh, my it's a clear beer. Uh, I mean, clear as far as not cloudy. It's not hazy or anything. It's it's got a nice clear. It is like a golden, light golden amber uh, coloring, like you mentioned. And yeah, tiny bubbles come up out of it. Now I am drinking it out of a glass. It does have laser etching on the bottom, so maybe that's aiding in the uh, in the bubble creation, but um, but yeah, I like to see the little bubbles come up. And you're right, the head is uh, it, it has a very very nice head. It's off white, uh, dense bubbles. There's some coarse ones in there too. Um, it has, like I said, I, I poured it when I first poured it four four finger head. It died down pretty quickly to a two finger head, uh, but still has a it's a, it's a nice head. It's, it's it has good head retention. Um, and also, not to, you know, I, I've drank a few of these. It has good lacing. Um, after every beer, uh, literally, I have a, a good amount of lacing all the way down to the bottom of the glass, which is another sign of a of a good uh, a good beer. So okay, what what if we take a, a little uh, sniff of this beer? Um, and we'll just see what we what we smell. And so I'm getting uh, some cracker, a lot of cracker okay. up front. Yeah, I I, had, uh, I kind of said biscuity, but you're right, probably crack. It's hard for me to 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 tell, you know, any kind of a breadiness or crackery thing. You know, I I get confused in the difference. But yeah, I got a little. I said biscuity malt, and I I also get something in the background too. I'm uh, I, I've kind of I've been after I drink each one of these, I kind of change my notes a little bit because I smell a little something a little different, but I, I get a little either grassy or some herbal aromas in there too, in, in the back of that nose. Do you have any kind of, uh, you get any kind of herbalness to it or any kind of a yeast? Uh, um, I'm getting something that is coming across a little bit more floral, but it's really subtle. Um, okay. And yeah, I am having a little trouble pinning it down um, in, in the back there. Yeah, it it could be floral. Again, I'm not. I I have a hard time differentiating a lot of those things. That's why I kind of said at first I put grassy, and then after my second beer, I said, oh, it could be grassy or it could be herbal. But you're right, it could be flowery too because they're all kind of green plants, right? <laughs> Everything's green, so everything green kind of smells the same to me. It's it's kind of green. That's your science fact for the Yeah, that's the my show. that's my science for you. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, let's go ahead and, and take a little sip of this and see what we what we get off of the the first taste. So I get that uh, that breadiness um, mm-hmm. kind of comes through. Uh, it's a little um, 
little nutty or maybe even a little like like a uh, little toast on there. Yeah. Um, as well. Okay, yeah, I uh also get the the toasty uh slight toasty malt uh out of there and again, I I I went ahead this time. I don't like doing my notes, you know, last time we did a tasting, I did it without any any pre pre-tasting. Um but I like to write some notes down because on a spot, sometimes I can not come up with good things. But so when I was writing my notes, um, you know, I got a little bit of something f- maybe fruity, uh, maybe from the yeast in, in there. It gives me a little fruitiness. Uh, and it could be also floral. Again, I, I added the, the floral because after a couple more uh, beers, I, you know, I was thinking, okay, it's either fruity or maybe a little floral-y because I'm having trouble to, you know, deciding on what I was actually tasting in there, and then, um, and then, depending on the you know w- the different beer I had, it seemed like I would get uh, some of that hop uh, bitterness right up front. Now, maybe it's not the hop bitterness. Maybe it is something in the the way the malt is um, is presented in the beer. Maybe it makes it seem like it's like a bitterness. I know in the past, John, you have mentioned that. Some of the things I thought might have been hop related might have been related to something else too. So I don't I don't know, but I I do get a little bit of a, a bitterness up front. What? Um, yeah, so I, I'm also getting some of that floral. I'm also getting some metallic, uh, which mm. could be some of that perceived um, bitterness. But there's mm-hmm. definitely uh, a firm bitterness to this. Not um, you know not like a pale ale or an IPA type of level, but it's, no. it's definitely there, you know, and you can, you can taste it. It's not completely, um, you know, malt forward, um, by any stretch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- there's definitely some bitterness there. Um, but it's, it, uh, it doesn't, uh, doesn't linger at all. It no. Kinda, so. Yeah. It's, it's not lingering. And, um, yeah. So, so maybe you're right. Maybe it's metallic that that's given me that, that sense of bitterness, maybe it's that metallic, some kind of a metallic uh, thing. Now, is that is that flavor meant to be in the beer, John, or you think it's some a side effect of something else? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what, okay. <laughs> exactly what their target is, okay. but I mean, it could it could come from the water, it could come from the hops. Okay. Um, there's there's quite a few sources for That's that. That's true. Yeah, yeah. It could even so. come from the open bay vats they used to. <laughs> for a minute (laughs) okay so uh the body i get uh, is i get i I don't know i might be overstating it i i just listed as kind of a medium body it might be medium light but it feel it doesn't feel like it's a light body but it feels like a a solid it feels solid in my mouth it's got a good mouth feel it's got uh a, a little bit of creaminess to it even and uh it's the carbonation is to me the carbonation is not too much. It seems to be just right. I'm not getting a lot of bubblies in my mouth. I'm I, I get just enough carbonation, and I've only burped once after drinking, you know, so many of these beers. So obviously, it's not overcarbonated. What What about you, John? What do you think the body is of this beer? Yeah, I'd put it at medium. I definitely agree that with the creaminess, um, it's really pleasant, and I think that part of that comes from. I would describe this as like a medium low carbonation. Um, yeah, okay. even though we've got. You know, quite a few bubbles coming up. It's kind of deceiving um, because when you when you drink it, it's not, uh, you know, or it doesn't come across the same way as, as a lot of other beers um, with this kind of mouthfeel. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, yeah, me- medium body, a little less carbonation than probably I would say average for okay. a, a lot of just uh, beer craft beers in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's really pleasant. The creaminess is nice um, and makes it easy, really easy to just keep drinking. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's an it's it's fun. It's good to drink. It, it goes down quick too. Um, what's surprised me about this beer also is. It is under 5% alcohol, almost in the session beers, but this beer feels like it should be a bigger beer. It just, ha- it just has that, that quality beer uh, sense to me, right? That, that mouthfeel, that body, um, the, you know, the flavors you get. It feels like you're drinking, like, you're, you're definitely not drinking a light beer. You're drinking a beer that has some backbone to it and, and tastes good, which makes me feel good when I drink it. It just makes me want to drink more of it. Uh, I, I don't know. It, was, it just surprised me. I was expecting this to be a little bit lighter um, overall than it than it is, and I I was surprised when it was a, a bit on you know a bit more solid uh, beer, which which I like. Um, the finish though, uh, I, I get a, a drier finish uh, with that bitterness that doesn't linger, but it's there. It definitely has a, a bitterness uh, at at the end, but it it, it doesn't linger on. It kind of dissipates pretty quickly. Um, it's but it's smooth, a smooth drinker, easy drinking beer. Like I just mentioned, I've almost sucked down a six pack in just a few hours, so it, it's definitely easy drinking. What about you, John? What do you think about the finish? I'm just gonna agree with what you said and just take another sip here because it's nice. Okay, all right, excellent. <laughs> so now here's where I, I am um, having trouble, and this is where we make our comments on whether or not we think that uh, a new person to craft beer should drink this beer, should try this beer being new to craft beer. And um, I don't know. I, I'm having trouble because, uh, in my opinion, I, I think that that somebody that is new to, to craft beer might get enjoyment out of this. But I can also see somebody new to craft beer that's not used to having a little bit more bitterness to it, uh, a, a little bit heavier mouthfeel, that they may be turned off by it. So I'm kind of got – a mixed uh, mixed thing. I, I almost want to say, no, I don't recommend this, not because it's a bad beer, just because I don't know how someone knew if if, if this majority of people are going to really take to this or, or not. So, John, where do you stand on, on this as far as newbies? Yeah, I, I, I agree. That, you know, that this could be a beer that people really latch on to. At the same time, I've experienced where something that, doesn't come across to me as you know very bitter or anything mm-hmm. um, can turn somebody off. I recommended uh, um, a Kolsch or something like that to my my oh, brother yeah. who That'd is real uh, yeah. <laughs> generally just you know light light ales and you know a Kolsch isn't a, an overly bitter beer. I mean it's it's light and, and refreshing, but it, it was too much too much bitterness for him. Yeah. And um, you know so. Uh, thankfully, he's coming around. By the way, oh, for good. people who are concerned, um, <laughs> heard he's take a liking to Scottish ales. So, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, but anyway, I, I digress. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I could see this going either way, but I, I could see this. You know, once once you you do kind of get get more into craft beer, this could easily become kind of an everyday drinker. Yeah, um, kind of beer. Uh, so. I would say you know give it a shot. You yeah, know. but I, I think it, it could definitely hit that hit that mark. But uh, 
I can see the potential where it just is just kind of flirting that line. Okay. So. All right. So we'll say this is is not a recommended, not a not recommended. It's <laughs> it's right on the line, and it could go yeah. up. It could go either way. So it's kind of like uh, take your chance. Drink at, yeah, drink at your own risk. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll agree with that. It was it was very tough. I couldn't. I did most of the time. I either know or don't know. I, it's pretty easy for me to tell. Yeah, this is something someone will enjoy. This is something that they wouldn't. This one was was tough just because of what we just discussed. It's it's not it's not straight across. It could be taken either way. Um, I think if the bitterness, not not again that the bitterness was bad, but the, if the bitterness was a little bit less, I definitely would say yeah that uh, someone new would like it. But I think that there is that bitterness in there that might turn people off. Uh, so that's why I, I just found it really hard to come up with a, a definite yes or no. Yeah, and see, the more I drink this, like if I was on my fifth one, like you, yeah, I would probably say go for it because already <laughs> I'm not, I'm not noticing the bitterness as much. Um, no, and no yeah, I've got like a quarter of my beer left. So yeah, yeah, the the first one had the most bitterness. The second, I felt the bitterness. After that, it you're right. I I got used to it, so it was like yeah, it's there, but it's not. You know, it's it's not like it's. I mean, my mouth just got used to drinking the the beer. So, all right. So, uh, glass style. I mean, this this beer can be drank in pretty much any style: a shaker glass or a pub, a regular pub. Uh, you know, your Willie Becker glass or whatever. I'm drinking it out of a, of, out of basically. This is a glass. I don't even know how to explain. I got it for my birthday from my son and my daughter-in-law. Um, it's actually a glass from Red Hook Brewing, which we did uh, Red Hook ESB a, a few episodes ago. And this glass is, man, this is heavy. This is a thick-walled glass, and it's straight. It's a vertical, straight up and down, almost like a, like a, like a large gin and tonic uh, glass that you'd have, like a, you know, a tall hmm. uh, gin and tonic. But it's very thick and heavy, um, and it. I think it does well. This beer um, goes well on this glass. This is a straight glass. What do you think? Do you have any recommendations on glassware? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think you need anything super special. I, no. I'm using my, my Willie Becker. Like, yeah. that's normal. your favorite. That's your favorite one. Oh, it's just my go-to all around, <laughs> you know, glass. And it's always sitting right here next to where we record. Okay. No problem. No problem. I, I actually try to change my glassware up, you know, from beer to beer. And, you know, I try to stay with the style that the beer would go with, but I try to use all my glassware so they don't get lonely and, and neglected. So, yeah. Well, I use the others during the week. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. just clean by the time we we record. <laughs> All right. So um, if we were to rank this beer, in my opinion, um, I'm going to rate this as as pretty much an average beer. Uh, you know, something you would drink when you feel like drinking something drinkable. Uh, that's the best way I can describe <laughs> this, right? If you just want to drink something that's just easy to drink, then drink this. It's not it's not going to go win. A, I don't think it's going to win any awards. It's going to be not going to be something that's on your top of your list. But hey. If if you want something that goes down easy, this thing goes down pretty easy. So I'm giving an average rating. What about you, John? What do you what do you think this thing rates? Uh, well, like I said, I, I could see this easily becoming a, a daily drinker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it goes down easy, not too much alcohol. Um, so I I could actually see keeping a, a sixer of this around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for well, all the time. You know, yeah. so. Um, but yeah, I mean, based on our other like, you know, if we're gonna go uh, preach the good word probably uh, <laughs> no. but yeah i could definitely you know have keep this around and just pull it out whenever i 
need one. So okay, yeah, I I was bouncing at first. I had rated this like a memorable beer because, like you just mentioned, it's something that I would have in my fridge and drink and and be. But then I realized that. Uh, you know, that it wasn't. I, I as I started drinking more of it, I'm like, it's nothing that is is standing up above the rest of my drinkable beers, right? That cream, that session cream ale, is just an average beer, also. It's it's some, but I drink a lot of it, so I that's when I went ahead and and bounced it down to an average rating because, yeah, it's good, but it's something that I just want to drink when I want to drink, you know, more than one, or I want to drink, you know, throughout, you know, the day, uh, you know. Like I said, I almost drink a six pack in in one afternoon. So it's, I mean, it, it's it's good, but I'm not gonna, it's it's not gonna be one of those ones that I go out and search for all the time. It's just, so. all right. Um, a couple, the I was able to find which malts and hops are used in this, and since we've, you know, we did our malt and hop segments uh, many shows ago, I just want to go ahead and mention that. The, the malts in here is a blend of two-row and caramel, car, caramel malts, uh, which is no no surprise there. That's that, I mean, I, I would have guessed that um, based off of our tasting notes. And in the hops is Northern Brewer hops. I've never heard of Northern Brewer hops, John. Is that a special blend that Anchor Brewing uses, or is that something that's a common hop blend or something? Um, it's, an, it's an older, uh, I think, British... Um hop uh that yeah you don't see as much anymore um especially in the in the u.s just because everybody's chasing these huge citrus hops and that yeah. kind of thing okay. um but uh I, th- I think this one it, it tends to be more earthy i've heard um mint before from this um i've never experienced that myself but mm-hmm. uh yeah it, it it's uh yeah an older style hop that's managed to stick around and not be lost um to the new um hop craze going on right now so okay okay well then uh yeah i don't taste any mint at all in this beer so um maybe it's a special uh maybe you gotta amp the the doses up a lot more to get the mint out of it yeah i don't know (laughs) okay well hey that is our listener participation tasting notes segment i hope you guys were able to get something out of john and i's tasting and uh, hopefully you tasted some of the same stuff we tasted, and now you were able to put, uh, you know, some some descriptors to what you're tasting, and uh, and we'll help you out in your in your craft beer journey. Now we were supposed to go and do some articles, but guess what? We've run way long this episode, so we're going to go ahead and close it out. But before we close out the show. We just want to have an opportunity to raise our glass to some special people out there. So, John, is there anyone out there that you'd like to raise your glass to this episode? Uh, yeah, I'll raise my glass to Robert, uh, send the, the question in and chatting. And also, uh, David, uh, Yojimbo2000 on Twitter, uh, send in uh, some of the articles and mm-hmm. uh, also chatting, chatting with us over the last uh, couple of weeks. Yeah. So, always great to talk with those guys. Um, and they're bringing good stuff. So thank you and, and keep it up. Excellent. Yeah, I agree. I just want to ditto that with John said. Um, and I, I apologize for not getting to the articles this episode, but Hey, you understand. We just, when John and I start talking, we get carried away. So, uh, we'll try to hit those articles next episode. They'll still be relevant. They're not time, time, uh, constrictive stuff. So it, it'll be okay. 
Um, I also uh, want to lift my glass to a few people. I want to lift my glass to Connor666 for leaving an iTunes review. Thank you very much, Connor. We really appreciate it. We uh, we enjoyed all the kind words you had to say, and we will accept any uh, critical uh, criticism you might have that, that might help us uh, make the show better. So if you do have any comments, go ahead and, and feel free to write us an email or send us some stuff on Twitter. We'll, we'll accept those gladly. And I, I want to also raise my glass to someone I met in my uh, my today when I was out gathering beer at the uh, local uh, Boise co-op. I met uh, a guy named Mike who I think just recently moved to the Boise area from California and he you know he was uh, you know looking at some beers and we started chatting and then all of a sudden uh, I just started rambling on about beer and he's like wow do you work at a brewery or something I said no I don't work at a brewery but I do do a craft beer podcast, and so we started talking about the podcast. And Mike, if you're listening, I want to—I just want to uh, show my gratitude for you to taking a chance on us and and listening to our show and raise my glass to you. Cheers! And I hope you uh, were able to find some uh, some good news uh, information in our show. And uh, I look forward to hearing uh, comments from you. Maybe seeing you at the at the local co-op again soon. So thank you. And uh, I also need to thank Open Forum Radio doc, or Open Forum Radio Network uh, for supporting the show and for providing the hosting space at openforumradio.com. Um, they have some great podcasts on there. Please go out and uh, check out the other shows that they offer on the network. Also, again, we just got done celebrating Independence Day here in America and we wouldn't have our independence if it wasn't for all of our servicemen and women out there protecting our freedoms, going out there, sacrifice, possibly sacrificing their life and their time, definitely, uh, for protecting these freedoms. I really appreciate all of your hard work, and I just want you guys to come back safely to your families uh, as soon as possible. So here, I raise my glass to you. And if you would like to contact the show, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at tapthecraft or leave comments on the show post at openforumradio.com or go to Google Plus and just search for Tap the Craft. And you can follow me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Loose Screw and on Google Plus at Denny Loose. And John, how can listeners follow you? So Twitter at Prime Brewing on Untapped uh, at Prime W A, and occasionally I do write about homebrewing and, and beer stuff at homebrewengineer.com. All right, well it's last call and it's time to bring this show to a close. I want to thank you for downloading and listening to this show, and we hope you were able to find something useful. And we welcome you to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And as a reminder. We release a new show every two weeks. And that's it for this episode. And remember, friends don't let friends drink light yellow fizzy beer. Quality craft beer can be enjoyed by all. So spread the word and convert the beer ignorant. All right, I'm back. Okay. I And I couldn't hear Took's caller at all, so he's being quiet. Oh, he hasn't shaken yet. Oh, okay. So. Okay. <laughs> he uh, just looked at me like, I would never do something like that. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> he's a good boy. I don't speak toys either. <laughs> <laughs> just lay down.
still have to play. There you go. Okay, now I'm ready. Okay. Hey, it's Shaver from Open Forum Radio here. want to go ahead and take a second to say thank you for checking out this episode of Tap the Craft. And I would like to encourage each of you to check out some of the other shows that we have here on the Open Forum Radio Podcast Network. Uh, we'll start it off with the original Open Forum Radio, The 40 Cast, Prove Your Point, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, My Peanut Gallery, The Married Gamers, Some Other Castle, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Just Press Start, Platform Junkies, and Jobbers on the Mic. Hey, be cool. Give a great review to all the shows you like on iTunes, Podbay, Stitcher, everywhere you can give reviews. Review every show five times, and you are officially a good listener. Also, go ahead and visit openforumradio.com, links to all the different shows. Uh, like the Open Forum Radio Facebook page, and... Uh, Take a second, if you like playing games online and with people and are cool, to uh, go ahead and look at Zabari's Gamer Information Spreadsheet. Fully useful information that will do nothing but enhance your online gaming experience. All right, folks, take it easy. Have a good day.